Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, Katie Britt raises big bucks. Also, the V-Team takes a look at the reshuffling in the speaker's race. And Mo Brooks comes up with more excuses for his January 6th fiery speech. It, when we, we got into this thing with the best intentions, really. I never... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Mo just threw Trump under the bus. Yeah, he did. Not a very good idea. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to The Voice of Alabama Politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Charlie Walker, New York Times freelance reporter, assistant to the editors at APR, Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire, and Josh Moon, columnist and investigative reporter at APR. Welcome all. Hi. Hello. Glad to be here. Yes. Uh, Josh, we, we would be remiss without telling folks that you are in sunny Florida, enjoying a uh, Well, it's time. kind of rainy Florida rainy right Florida now. Rainy Florida today? Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, a little rainy Florida right now. I've, uh, if, you, if you hear anybody screaming, I've locked some kids in the closet. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah. uh, do not call, doing all do right, not call DHR. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, I, I think this week, and, and you know, we, we talk about Mo Brooks a lot. Because we want people to understand who Mo Brooks actually is. Or that. isn't. Or isn't. And so this week, Josh, and you, you wrote the story. I mean, uh, uh, you and Eddie Burkhalter. Uh, Mo Brooks came out and in the lawsuit that he's facing for insurrection, you know, the, the harm that was caused during that time, he's facing a lawsuit. And he came out and literally blamed Donald Trump. The, as president, then president Donald Trump, the White House for him being at the ellipse. I mean, who throws Donald Trump under the bus and lives to tell about it? Yeah, well, well, uh, at this point, he's thrown everybody under the bus that he can. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he, he started out blaming Antifa for this, and now he's he slowly transitioned uh, to blaming his constituents. Uh, then the White House, you know, now Donald Trump, and so it's a uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a slow progression for Mo, where he's tried to blame everybody but himself for getting up on the uh, on the dais that day and saying that uh, he, uh, you know, wants everybody to go out and take names and kick ass and wants you to fight and bleed like the uh, the fo the founders of the country, yeah. uh, and that's what you have to do sometimes, and that's exactly what those people did. They went over and they fought and they bled, and five people died, including a law enforcement officer, and so you know Mo is trying his best to run from this, and you know. Eric Swalwell is a, a Democratic representative is is suing him, uh, him, Trump, Trump Jr. and Rudy Giuliani for getting up on on stage that day and saying, hey, you know, uh, go out and fight and try to overturn uh, a fairly held election, uh, stop the uh, the count of the Electoral College votes. And that's what they were up. That's what they were doing. That's what they sent those people over to the Capitol to do. Trump said he was going to go with them, and of course bailed out like the coward he is. And but this is Mo, you know. That's uh, Mo. Mo is part of that. And now he doesn't want to take any responsibility, just like usual. The thing that's astounding to me, Susan, I think, is that 
he must be worried about this lawsuit, mm -hmm. or he mm -hmm. would not go to such lengths. Now, uh, let's not forget he blamed it on Antifa. Then he said when kicking ass, he was talking about the Democrats. He blamed it on the Proud Boys. Uh, you know, it, 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 he's, he's just navigating all of these excuses for why he did that. And it has to be because he's afraid. Has to be. He's very nervous in this election, and I'm glad. And I really wonder how it's going to play out for him. Like, I see it on social media already. People hate Mo, and a lot of them are Trump supporters. So you couple that with, uh, you know, him calling Trump out. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I wonder what, how they're going to receive that. <laughs> I, I don't just think don't, it's going to go well. I just don't see that playing well in Mar-a-Lago mm -mm. or, or Bedminster either. I just don't see that uh, playing well. Donald Trump does not like to be blamed and doesn't take that lightly. I want to move on. Uh, speaking of one of the things that's bothering Mo Brooks is uh, Katie Britt, uh, U.S. Senate candidate, mm -hmm. uh, also somebody that I'm very fond of, make no excuses on that. She raised $2.24 million mm -hmm. in under three weeks yep, she uh, sure did. once she announced her candidacy. Susan, she that's sure did. amazing. That's record-breaking in the state of Alabama, too. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. People love Katie. She's really got the heart of Alabama in her heart. I mean, she's she's very good candidate. She's very uh, uh, makes good touch with people and knows her issues and knows what she's doing. And, and I am just not surprised at all. No, she's fascinating human being. She is a good candidate, and I'm just so excited that she was able to do this and impressed in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's got to worry Mo Brooks, don't you think? Oh, he's probably shaking in his depends right now. <laughs> <laughs> shaking in his depends. Well, it, it's obvious. I mean, you know, it's look at all this stuff he's doing right now. He wouldn't be doing that otherwise. I mean, at Mo's age, he's done about everything in his BVDs, I would imagine. What do you, <laughs> what do you think about these numbers, Josh? I know, you know, you're not going to vote for a Republican, but that's some strong, strong cash haul. Yeah, she uh, she definitely has the uh, the backing of the business community in the state, and and rightfully so. They uh, those folks they don't want a crazy person, and, and Mo Brooks is a crazy person, um, and and so I, you know I think they they look at this as a way, uh, Katie Britt specifically, as a way to kind of save that Richard Shelby legacy there of going up and being a respectable senator for the state of Alabama that brings home money, brings home business, brings home opportunities for people, business people to go out uh, and do business with the federal government's backing or in federal government programs, you know, the defense industry in Huntsville and, and the ports down in Mobile and stuff. You know, th those people are really relying on somebody with some common sense and some stability there to go out and get the job done. Uh, we, we know we're not going to have it in Tommy Tuberville, uh, and so we, they need somebody. Uh, they need somebody to, to take that stand. And if Mo Brooks is there, I think those folks really, really, really fear for the future of the state. Well, he said, point blank, if you want a candidate like Richard Shelby, then don't vote for me. So anybody that wants mm -hmm. a candidate like Richard Shelby, uh, and, and, and Linda Blanchard's in this race. Yes, she is. She, she has money. She loaned herself $5 million. She's raised another 300 and something thousand. We, we could not see, as of this taping, what Moe's new numbers are, but right. Mr. Brooks has uh, some a million and a half in the bank. Uh, that, that also is a combination of what he had left over from his congressional race. But, Susan, uh, we found out uh, just uh, on Thursday that Jessica Taylor, mm -hmm. uh, a wife of uh, former Senator uh, 
Brian Taylor, I don't know if they're still married or not, but she just uh, announced her candidacy for the Senate, U.S. Senate. Yes, she released her um, video <laughs> this week announcing her candidacy, and it was uh, amusing, to say the least. Um, and she's very... Racist is what it was. Well, yeah, I'll kind of, I'm, I'm trying to leave all of that out. I'm trying to be nice. No, okay, <laughs> the best way to sum it up well, I was... Mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, listen, it, when you target Kamala Harris uh, with, mm. with a video, who is the vice president and, and is not setting policy, uh, then, you, you know, you're, you're targeting her for a reason. And I think everybody in the state of Alabama knows what that reason is. And that's what it is. It was her saying, I'm going to grab my gun and go fight Kamala Harris, and then I'm going to go fishing with Jesus. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. It, it reminded me of something out of the 80s, but I can't remember. It was some kind of video out of the 80s, but we're going to have to leave I, I it right Paul there. I think Paul was involved there somewhere. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. Your career isn't a job, it's a journey. Your next job could lead to bigger things, and you're in charge of how fast and how far you want to go. At alabamaworks.com, you can connect with employers and start working right now, then chart your path forward with training and career planning tools. That next paycheck is great, but it's only the beginning. Start a great success story at alabamaworks.com. So you got caught speeding. But this time you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. back to the V, the voice of Alabama politics. Uh, you know, basically, Bill Poole, Representative Bill Poole, a uh, very responsible member of the Alabama House of Representatives, uh, a few days after uh, uh, Mac McCutcheon, the current Speaker of the House, decided that he was not running, Bill Poole jumped in the race and said, I'm in. Two days later, he was out. And then the next day, or that afternoon, Representative Steve Klaus, budget chair as well, and mm -hmm. he's in. So Susan, we got shuffling deck on, on the speaker's race. Also, Representative Nat Nathaniel Ledbetter is in. And it's just, I don't understand why a smart guy like Poole would announce he's running, and then two days later realize, oh, I, I'm not running. Doesn't make any sense. I, I feel like we're going a bit through the hokey pokey here. When you put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you know, and then turn it all about. Uh, it doesn't make sense because, I mean, it's like two days later. How would you make the big decision without thinking everything through that you're going to run for speaker and then two days later change your mind? I mean, that's a big decision. I mean, that's a huge responsibility. Josh, I just don't understand. I, Josh, I just don't think we're seeing the whole picture here, but maybe it's not important. But we're curious that way, aren't we? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, sure. I, I mean, it. Uh, I, I, you know, Klaus uh, is is one of the more respected guys in the in the house, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that, that he had spoken to Poole, and it's immediately when Poole uh, entered the race for speaker, uh, you know, Klaus threw his support behind him, and so th- those two had obviously talked, uh, and then you know, I guess. You know, the, the real question here is exactly who's kind of pulling the strings yeah. uh, on this. And, uh, you know, and I, I think it, it would be fair to speculate that some of the big mules or the big businesses are, are behind uh, certain members of this. And it's, it seems as though maybe somebody is not behind Nathaniel Ledbetter uh, because they're wanting to, uh, to create some sort of, uh, of opponent for him in the race. Because it's pretty clear that, you know, I don't think Steve Klaus gets into this unless some people are encouraging him to do so. And, and I believe that, that Steve Klaus is probably a little bit more of a viable candidate than uh, than Bill Poole was. Uh, I just I just feel like Klaus is, is a little more respected, having seen him work for so long around the house and uh, be in charge of the general fund budget. And I, I feel like he's earned the trust and respect of most of the people there. And so, and he's earned the trust and respect of a lot of the business people around the state as well. You know, handling the, the issues with the budget. So I just think that maybe they they were pushing for somebody like that to get that seat because they like that stability in place. Well, I mean, Nathaniel Ledbetter was elected uh, majority leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly is not. Yeah, uh, I, he's a nice guy. Yeah, but, I don't have anything, honestly. Yeah, I don't have anything, or I don't know of anybody that has really anything against Nathaniel Ledbetter either. Uh, you know, I, it just seems to me, look from the outside looking in, that, that somebody is creating some opposition sure. for him. I mean, that's the only thing that makes any sense. I mean, look, uh, you know, there's always somebody in the background. That mm-hmm. These guys are not making mm-hmm. these decisions in a vacuum. Uh, Charlie, any thoughts on that? Oh, just that. I mean, I found it a little suspicious of Poole pulling out so quickly. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I, fi- I feel like between Klaus and Ledbetter, it's just going to be an interesting race. Yeah. It is, because both are very good candidates. Both have, have got their feet grounded, and both are very well respected. So it'll be something to watch. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Josh, what we hate to report this week is that the Alabama Democratic Party is going to court again. Again. I mean, it seems that we never can see the Democrats stop suing each other over who should be in charge. I mean, what what are we to make of this? Well, honestly, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. And it's kind of what I wrote about this is, you know, I it there I don't know what the end game is. You know, I mean, the the. The National Party has made it pretty clear that they don't want to work with the old Joe Reed faction in this, uh, that they believe that that party, the way it was set up and aligned, uh, violated their bylaws, the national bylaws of the party, by failing to properly recognize other minority groups. Um, and I, I, the other part of this is the argument that they're making doesn't make any sense, is that somehow another black representation has been diluted. That's not true at all. There's There's actually probably more... Uh, black representation in this. There's less so in what was the old Democratic conference uh, there, uh, because it was led by Joe Reed. But now there are also a number of black members, black voting members that are part of those other minority groups, the LGBTQ uh, folks that are in there now, the young Democrats especially. Uh, they have a, a number of black members that are there that are voting members. So so blacks in the state are very well represented within the Democratic Party, as they should be. Uh, you know, We all know our, the biggest problem in the Democratic 
Democratic Party is getting white people to come back and vote uh, for right. Democrats. And so, uh, but I, I don't, again, I don't understand what the end game is here. If you if you don't have the support of the party and you don't have the support of the people around the state that, that are willing to donate to you, what are you doing? I mean, what, what's the end goal of this? Well, it goes back to uh, the old saying that, uh, uh, who was it who said that, uh, I don't belong to an organized political party. I'm a Democrat. That was Will Rogers. Will yeah. Rogers got that over 100 years yeah. ago, and it's still true today. I mean, the bottom line is Joe Reed cannot <coughs> stand it. Sticking around. Sticking around. And, he, you know, there are a number of people that want him in there controlling everything from who's sitting on the executive committees and this, that, and the other. That's what the true fight is about. I mean, when, when this, when, you know, Chris England and them took over, uh, realigned the bylaws, more like the National Party, they, they they couldn't stand it. I mean, and they had no money in the bank. I mean, they were, the Democratic Party was basically broke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but but now, I mean, since Chris England has taken over, everything's going much better. And I just think it's just a power struggle. That's all. Charlie, we, always get, oh, we could always get Nancy Worley back. I was just about to say that. I said at least there's a bright side. It's not Nancy. <laughs> She's probably still sitting on the toilet. Oh, no. Hey, you will bring that up. <laughs> Got to trash somebody. Ooh. Well, real quickly, we got about 47 seconds. Uh, you know, we've got other people entering the race. Mike Jones announced this week that he is not running for his House of Representatives seat. Representative Mike Jones will now run for Senate seat, state Senate, uh, to replace retiring state senator and legend Jimmy Holly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think that's a, that's a good move on his part, Josh, don't you think? Legend, legend, Jimmy Holly. I like that. That's, uh, that's <laughs> forty-four no, years, that's baby. That's probably a good. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's, uh, uh, he can uh, he can he can go to the Senate and be a problem for the Senate now. Okay, <laughs> well we're going to leave it right there. You're watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back, where we'll make a whole bunch of other people mad. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. If you've been working, you've already proven yourself in ways you may not even notice. Managing your time, communicating effectively, and working as part of a team are key skills that employers value. At alabamaworks.com, you can find out how to build on your experience to up your game and get the job you really want because it's out there. Start your new success story at alabamaworks.com. Sponsored by Alabama Works, the Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You know, we have a lot of fun on this show, and, and, and we rib people, and we rub people the wrong way, and we also try to do the right thing on this show. One of the things that I know over at a APR, I, I've been looking at, our staff has been looking at over the course of many years, is the fact that Alabama is the fifth poorest state in the United States. Now, this is not a Republican issue in my mind or a Democratic issue. No, it's a fact. state fact, and we need to do more to lift the state up. One of the things that has been 
on my mind, and as I told someone, the thing that keeps me up at night is that 50% of Alabama's children are born under Medicaid. In other words, their births are paid by Medicaid because their parents do not have the means to pay for their birth, which means that these infants are born into poverty. Now, uh, for a state that, that is decidedly pro-life, uh, I think this bears witness to that we are not truly pro-life. We are anti-abortion, mm -hmm. and that to be pro-life means every life should matter. Uh, you know, I don't understand a, a world where we have a nation as wealthy as, uh, as, as, as America. And poverty is complex, but feeding children, Charlie, is not. It's simple. Yes, and feeding children should be the most simple thing that we make a priority. Uh, they cannot fend for themselves. They, like you said, they don't choose to be born poor. It's absolutely insane. I mean, Susan, it, it, sometimes you talk to lawmakers, they seem like they think that these children's plight is not of their concern, but that's 50% uh, in, in Alabama born in poverty. That's 30,000 children a year. We're talking about, we're not talking about, you know, two or 300 children. We're talking about 30,000 children a year. And I've said it from the beginning, all, all along, the, the, the policies of Alabama it only cover children until they start to crown. Once a child starts to crown from its mother's womb, they are, are viewed as a burden on the state. That has got to stop. And this, we're not talking about, you know, making sure that the mother's married and all that. We've got to raise people up out of poverty so we don't have these kind of numbers. So we don't have children with food insecurity and housing insecurity. I mean, this goes to the, the, the rate that they can learn, uh, you know, the, their social issues that go along with this. All of these things that plague Alabama as it is, if we don't start addressing them when the child is born, how do we expect that child to be a productive member of society? And Josh, this should not be a bleeding heart liberal issue versus a rock-ribbed conservative. That's the biggest BS out there today. You cannot run a country, you cannot run a state where half the people are poor, half the children are broke, you know, and don't have enough to eat. Yeah, yeah um, you know, for all the chest beating that, that we do in this state, especially the Republican Party, about attracting industry and attracting jobs, uh, um, it's a hell of a statement on the upward mobility or the lack thereof uh, of the people of this state when we continue to have 50 percent of the children born into poverty. Um, and, and, you know, it, it transcends, uh, you know, race. It tra I mean, it's just it it's such an issue. And, and it is really honestly, it's really kind of simple to fix. If you look at it this year, the stimulus checks that the Biden administration sent out cut child poverty in half. Uh, we're going to reduce it by simply allowing people to get the $300 per month child tax credit uh, sent directly to their bank. We're going to reduce it by 30% with, with just that. If, if we were somehow able to come up with child a child care, a national child care program that aided working mothers and working people uh, it, you know, to help them pay for child care while they're at work, we could, uh, could basically eliminate eliminate most child poverty uh, in this state. Uh, free lunches at school for all kids. Why the hell are kids still paying for lunches when prisoners aren't paying for lunches? Makes no sense. You know, why? Why is that? 
I mean, for God's sakes, there are so many easy programs that we could all get behind. And when you lift, when you lift this up from the bottom like this, we have seen it over and over and over again. It, it has never failed to lift the entire economy of this country every single time. I mean, Josh is right about the school lunches, too. I know people that what they do for Christmas is go to a certain school and pay off the debt of the children that don't qu yep. qualify for the free lunch but can't yep. afford to actually pay for it. I well, used to be in the public school system. Yeah, we do it all the Montgomery, time. We do it all the time. We go constantly going to schools and paying for kids' lunches. Mm -hmm. Oh, they have. I've seen a child's lunch taken from them because they did not have enough money in their account and thrown into the garbage. I would smack somebody. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. Somebody get hurt over that. Yeah, hit yeah. somebody with a lunch tray, child. man. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Well, and that's the thing, the other thing here. Look, this is a this is a state problem. It is a it's a human problem. Uh, another thing is 45% of single mothers in Alabama, they're working but they live below the poverty level. They don't make enough. And childcare is a big part of it. You know, during World War II, they had almost near universal childcare yeah. so that women could go to work. Yeah, because the men were overseas. Yes. Yeah. It worked. It worked. It's yes, not it did. Yeah, crazy. I mean, the GI Bill worked. The whole thing worked. Yeah. It was fantastic. I yeah. mean, it, it lifted everybody up. It created a middle class. Yeah. yeah, it did. And it was a successful period in our history. And now we hear about trickle-down economics, and all I've seen in the last 40 years is more people get trickled on. Yep. But we're going to have to yep. move on to just one other important subject. The hospitalizations from COVID-19 are increasing in Alabama. Mm -hmm. The reason they are increasing is because we are almost dead last in vaccinations. The people that are going ended up in the hospital are not vaccinated, Susan. Right, they're not vaccinated, and now we've got the Delta variant out there, which is a hundred times more powerful than the original COVID. And I'm sorry, it is not something that it resembles hay fever. It's much more deadly than the original COVID-19. Get the vaccine, people. This is not a political issue. Just get this thing shot. does not a, re a Republican or Democrat. It doesn't care who you are. Go and get the shot. Because you're not only endangering yourself, you're endangering your family, you're endangering your neighbors, and you're giving this horrible disease an opportunity to mutate even further than it has now and kill all of us. Well, get I, it done. I think it's time to pronounce the benediction. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to say it. Mama Bear came out. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.